Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we welcome back Alex McGadden. Alex is the treasurer for the Oregon Republican Party, good friend of the podcast, and he has meningitis, laryngitis. Laryngitis. Okay. In any case, he will we we scheduled this before he got sick, and so um he may not be speaking a whole lot, but Alex, welcome back. Hey, it's always good to be on. Thank you so much. <laughs> I might have to do a lot of like <laughs> interpreting of sign language and stuff as we go through this, but we'll, we're going to make yeah, it work. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. I need a little soundboard, right? Yeah. There you exactly. go. Just push the buttons. <laughs> so um, we are here to do a an election postmortem. We are. This is uh, a, basically a week after the election Tuesday. Yeah, exactly a week after it the election. It literally is, yeah. And so uh, just kind of give our thoughts and what... Um, what we saw happen. So, guys, just kind of general vibe from a week ago. So, I think the obviously the the salient detail is the the polling was off. The polling mm-hmm. had Republicans winning uh, a lot more seats here in Oregon and across the country, and by wider margins than what we obviously actually experienced in real life. <laughs> Definitely super unfortunate for those of us who are Team R. To, to go through an experience, but it does kind of provide the catalyst for um, jumping in and kind of reevaluating what it is that we want to get out of the out of the folks that did win and make sure, you know, we obviously here in Oregon, we did not win the governor's race. We did not win a, a majority or a tie in the state Senate. We did not win back the state house. We did overcome the Democrat supermajority. So at least there's that. So it gives us the opportunity to go through and say, okay, what is it that we want out of these next two years? And what is it that we want out of candidates that run in the next two, uh, two years from now so that we can hopefully have a better shot at winning? Yeah, I know on the finance side, the uh, National Party was pushing money all over the place, places that they never even thought had a long shot. Um, suddenly, like, hey, everybody was polling so much better. It was mm-hmm. interesting to watch that. Like, um, you know, the candidates around the country have a tier system that get uh, they they rank by their competitiveness, and there were races in Oregon that moved up a tier. Uh, just as the economy was getting worse and polls were getting better, like, we don't think we had a shot there, but suddenly, hey, CD6 was one that moved up in play. We got more money to help win it. Um, sadly, that, that didn't pan out, but it went really well. He only lost by two points. There was that lovely spoiler libertarian. <laughs> or the constitutionalist. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. If, if it weren't for the constitutionalist, he would have won that seat. Because oh, I think Salinas won with like 49.5%. Yeah. And if all those constitution votes come to, the, come to Erickson, that would have been more than enough to... To win that seat. Oh, absolutely. So, spoiler candidate on the on CD6. Yeah. If anybody wants to go back and double check me on this, but I'm pretty sure my predictions from our midterm episode uh, came pretty close to accurate. I said two seats in the House, one in the Senate. What do we pick up? Two in the House, one in the Senate. Everyone was calling me pessimistic, but um, 
Turns out, yeah. I was uh, I th- I thought Drazen would win though. That was my my pick. So I I think that any other year this would have been, you know, throw a parade type of type of thing. We we nationally we we're going to take back the house. We didn't take. We lost a seat in the Senate, but you know, one house of of Congress I think is enough to slow things down. We lost the governorship, but we haven't won the governor's race in 40 years. So that was, <laughs> I mean, looking back, maybe a bit, you know, optimistic. And we busted the supermajority in both House and Senate. We picked up three seats. Uh, I, I would say, you know, we just had really, really high expectations. We're sending a second congressman to Washington for the first time since 1994. Like, guys, holy crap, given, given a... Any other year without these super high expectations, I think this is going to be a slam dunk for Republicans in Oregon. It's it's definitely nice to be able to kind of celebrate the wins that we had, which th- there were some. I think for all of us, and I, the last time we all spoke was at Christine Drazen's election party, and it was at the time it was still a party because we didn't know what the results were going to be. But on uh, <laughs> last two, a, a week ago, almost to the minute, this is six thirty on Tuesday the fifteenth that we are recording this, so it was exactly a week ago that we had, we had election night. But it is, I, I can't help but, and this is, I feel like this is where you come in where, like, if I tell you, you know, you're about to buy a car, but it's $50,000, like, oh man, that's really expensive. But if I tell you you're about to spend $15,000 on a car, you're like, that's a great price for this car. The car itself stays the same, but how right. you feel about it yeah. changes depending on, you know, how much money you pay. You're like, boy, I overpaid. You're like, boy, I got a steal on this deal. And I think that with, I certainly can only speak for myself, but I think with the expectations that everybody had, and not just for funsies because everybody thought, you know, isn't it going to be great to be a Republican? There was a lot of polling and there was a lot of data and there was a lot of, you know, ad buys and everything to kind of support the hypothesis that this would be, this is a really good time to be a Republican. And Mm -hmm. especially here in Oregon, this was the best shot that we'd had at, at a governor's race for, you know, certainly at least going all the way back to Chris Dudley in 2010. But if not, I mean, maybe even since Vicatia in, you know, when he won in 1982, we had a extremely, we had the most unpopular governor in the country as an incumbent. Mm-hmm. We had an extremely unpopular and just bad as a human. She's good at her job, but she's <laughs> oh, bad as she's a terrible <laughs> a candidate in Tina Kotek that no matter how left you are, no, just nobody likes her. Whether yeah. whether you want her in the job or not, like, just nobody likes Tobias her. Tobias Reed and Betsy Johnson, they're at least good people. Tina Kotek is are, not yeah. a good person. Well, it's the, the Diego, not Diego Garcia. What's the guy's name? Her Diego, Diego Hernandez. Hernandez. Diego Hernandez. Diego Garcia is the <laughs> military base in, uh, the in South, Qatar, like Indian Ocean, or, right? wherever it is. But, yeah. And I always, I always want to say that. Um, anyway, Diego Hernandez, I'm surprised that story didn't get more traction. But she bullied him into attempting suicide. Like this was Willamette Week. This is not some you know quacky right wing newspaper. This Alt is this is whatever, this is yeah. Willamette Week put put out this story about he he tried to kill himself because of the way Tina t- treated him in the legislature, and you know he was doing some bad stuff and he was you know uh, not nef- not definitely not the good guy in this situation. But like, how does that not get more more traction in an election cycle when the Speaker of the House is running for governor? Union print shops. Yeah. Uh, well, you're probably you <laughs> not wrong. Um, I I also think that a big thing, uh, a big reason for kind of the the lackluster um, midterms was Dobbs. Yep. I think 
overturning Roe, uh, just watching all of the Democratic ad buy this past cycle, it was all abortion, Trump, and January 6th. Like, that was it. They were fear-mongering. They, were, they weren't they were running on anything positive. They were saying, Republicans are bad, and look at what they're going to do. They're going to take your rights away. Even though anybody with two brain cells to, run, to rub together could tell that Christine Drazen wasn't going to limit abortion. She w- wouldn't be able to. <laughs> you yeah. still have a Democratic <laughs> con- legislature that is not going to limit abortion. So even if she wanted to, she wouldn't even have she wouldn't have the possibility. But you know that's that's what sells and fear sells, and and that's what the Democrats took advantage of this time around. Well, yeah. and this this was our uh, I I say friend of the podcast because she was on the podcast, but this was your um your your co runner in HD thirty six. Uh, a couple of years ago, who who Lisa Reynolds finished a strong second to who, uh, she who was <laughs> strong as is, is uh, I don't know, <laughs> but she, she had come on our show and she had you know kind of waxed poetic about a lot of the a lot of the things you'd like to hear and yeah everybody needs <clears> to kind of work together we're all just trying to make a better organ or whatever and she had had one post where it is something along the lines of you know, anybody who votes for Republicans is trying to send us back to the Stone Age or, you know, something like mm. that. And it's like, how on the one hand can you say, look, we, we need to have bipartisanship and we need to treat each other with respect and we need to, you know, agree that we're all trying to do what's best in our own vision for for our district and for the state of Oregon and then turn around and just be that, you know, every Republican is racist and misogynistic and wants to, wants to take away murder your rights pregnant and, yeah. women. And all these terrible, and it's just like it's so unfortunate to go back and see somebody who, even you know the even the good Democrats. I think all three of us can agree on the show. There's a lot of good Democrats, but yeah, two or three. Mark has <laughs> when you're yeah, right, God, boy, Mark has please run for something. <laughs> the, when you when you see stuff like that, and it's just like if you win your election, that's fine. If a Democrat beats a Republican, that's fine. But I'd mm-hmm. like it to be because she's got better ideas and she's more passionate. She's got a better resume and she's got a more a a robust plan to go through and fix some of the problems rather than just because she called names to every other voter for the for the other guy and it's just like that's just unfortunate yeah, yeah I, remember that I kept seeing digital ads that were supporting jamie mcleod skinner talking about the dobbs decision and it was like our most fundamental right was taken away this year your your most fundamental right in, in america is not an abortion your most fundamental right is not get shot to say whether you like it or not right yeah, yeah like that's way more fundamental i don't have a uterus so that's not fundamental to me at all it, 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 it literally cannot be <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's that that's all it was it was it was fear-mongering i mean I, i'll bet they spent 20 million dollars just on abortion just on abortion ads and i i made a comment on one of the other podcasts um like it doesn't matter if you as a republican if you're pro-choice or pro-life they will run those same ads you know whether you're newt bueller or uh jason fields or um it, it doesn't matter you will be they will they will paint you as pro-life betsy johnson they were running ads on bets against betsy johnson back when she was you know a threat and that you can't trust betsy with your with your uterus and uh betsy sat on the board of planned parenthood she has been a supporter of abortion rights her entire career and they can just lie through their teeth and well, it's this amazing. Is the th- for four years, Democrats lambasted Donald Trump for, truthfully, for going out and lying and just making stuff up and just saying whatever willy-nilly thing pops into his mind. And they're right to do so because Donald Trump did that a ton. And then they go and turn around and do it themselves and think nothing of it. And yep. and it's just like, uh, again, I, you know, 
elections are a contact sport, and if you don't want to win, you can't play. But at the same time, it's just like, if I'm playing football and you're playing rugby, and you also are playing rugby while you're driving a Panzer, <laughs> that's not exactly a fair sport. And yeah. I feel like it's right to kind of call a spade a spade when you see it, because this is a pretty good example of both sides just lying through their teeth, if you're Donald yeah. Trump or if you're Jamie McLeod Skinner. And yes. So I think we kind of said basically all there needs to be said about about the governor's race. Um, I was just not just discouraged that, excuse me, that Christine lost, but that she lost by by quite a bit. Um, I think Dudley came within a point and a half, and what was it three or four that uh, Drazen ended up losing by by the end of it? Yeah, she was at um, she's it's at like forty four forty three point four four percent, and Tina's at forty seven point one. Yeah, so about three percent. So yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So it, not not even really close, unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's better than Newt did, but it's definitely it's not. Honestly, if you knew those numbers, you wouldn't have said that this was going to be a close race. There's a lot closer races that had happened, and and it's really unfortunate. The one the positive effect, and I think you saw this in a couple other um, Lee Zeldin in New York comes to mind. You see a couple other losing candidates, but. Strong, credible, well-funded, viable candidates at the top of the ticket in a couple of these states has done a number of great things for candidates running for state legislature, candidates mm. running for Congress. And there's where I've heard on a number of different podcasts, it's like, oh, the red wave was a red ripple or oh, it was a red, you know, raindrop or something like that. And it's really it's a function for me of two things. It's a function of geography because. There, there's a whole bunch of states anymore that have been gerrymandered on our side and on the Democrat side. But there's a lot of places that Republicans did really well and beat out their expectations. And obviously, we are, we're we're going to have a Republican Congress because of it. It's also a function of if the person was a MAGA candidate. And there's mm-hmm. a number of Donald Trump candidates. Blake Masters in um, Arizona. Adam Lexalt in Nevada. Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. The kind of up and down the board, the kind of the exception being J.D. Vance in Ohio. J.D. Vance well, won his race running away, but all the MAGA candidates lost. Joe J- Kent. J.D. Vance is kind of a baller anyway. Um, I was looking him up, and so, I mean, first of all, a whole bunch of name ID from Hillbilly Elegy, and then he had $10 million from Peter Thiel. So, I would say, even though he may have had the Trump endorsement, I don't think he was a Trump candidate. He was a, I'm just a baller who's going to win this race candidate he certainly get behind uh, me or get beside you know yeah he, he is he had a lot of money he is definitely on the more conservative side of the spectrum but ohio is at this point not really a swing state that much anymore no but i joe kent and um whoever it was that beat peter meyer in michigan cost the republicans two seats a whole bunch of these senate candidates cost republican senate seats and that for me this is my takeaway that i'm really excited about for this election is Ron DeSantis is the leader of the republican party yeah, we'll have plenty of time on this podcast to go through and debate the good things that we like about him and the bad things that we don't like about him. But he's the guy that's in charge of the party. This is not Donald Trump's party anymore. Yep. We have moved on. He's in the middle of announcing his intention to run for president right now. He's Trump already is. filed with the FEC. Trump is. And God bless that. I don't think that's going to be a surprise to anybody. But this is Ron DeSantis's party. now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh even Dan Crenshaw, I remember he had a reel on on Instagram that I was watching several months ago, many months ago, and he said, "This is this is what the Democrats are trying to do to you. They're trying to promote these 
ultra far right candidates in the primary so that then they lose in the general. And he gave like several examples. I don't remember which ones they were, but this is something that was called out by prominent Republicans months ago that these Trumpy candidates were were winning their primaries on the backs of Democrat dollars because they were they were knew that they were unelectable in the general election. So anyway, good on good on the Democrats for uh, for playing the playing the long game, playing the long game, and the uh, false flag on that one. Yeah, but, you know, there's a, there a great article in Politico today where it talked about a lot of prominent Democratic leaders looking at all the races they decided not to spend money on because I think it just wasn't going to work. And it was like, wait, if we had just spent a little bit more here and there, we'd have a majority. It'd be small, but it would still be there. They were kind of running scared the whole time. Yeah, that's they cut spending the last, I think, two weeks of the Jamie McLeod Skinner race. Yeah. And cut she lost get, her TV funding. That's yeah. big. Knowing where <laughs> the polls finished up, that one, like, I, there's some DCCC folks that are probably kicking themselves over that one. Well, I'm just okay happy that the, the DCCC chair lost his own re-election. So. Yeah, that's, yeah <laughs> that's that one true. was another good, funny well, you, story from election Do you day. think they gave up because they thought it was a lock or they gave up because they would, didn't want to throw good money after bad? Good money after bad. I agree with Nick. Yeah. Okay. Well, so in that ca- in in the ca- case of McLeod Skinner, I don't think that I think that means we won. Like we we're good. <laughs> we, that do- that doesn't mean spend a little more money. That means like we we can even spend. And I, I wouldn't want to say spend less because you want to make sure that you lock that up. But um, well, I if if you're the Democrats, you absolutely want wish you had spent more money on Jamie McLeod Skinner's race. Like knowing how close that race was. When it finished. Oh, that's fair. And this is after two weeks of being off the air for Jamie McLeod Skinner. You, that's absolutely a winnable race. I think everybody thought um, Lloyd Reamer was going to win that race going away. This was going to be a five or a seven point race. Hmm. And when it finished, I, if you have the secretary of state websites up, you can see, but I think it's like one or one and a half points right now. It's it, it Lori won. It's this isn't like a Donald right, Trump, oh, the right, election right, right. was stolen thing or whatever, but like it's 51 to 49, 51, 49. There you go. And so it's one of those things where it's like two point race in blue Oregon after that district was drawn to be more blue than when it was Kurt Schrader's well, district. They, they drew it to be a D plus one. And I think they did that knowing that Schrader was a blue dog Democrat and was likely going to hold it no matter what he did. Um, I don't think they anticipated him getting primaried by a progressive. Yeah. So. Yeah, that money, that race would have been way harder for Republicans to win if Kurt Schrader had kept it. I don't think, I don't think Lori wins against Schrader. And I, and I think I even, I even talked to her about it uh, while, when she was uh, in the primary because she, she announced long before they had redrawn the district lines. And I kind of was like, Hey, you know, so you run against Schrader. He's basically unbeatable. And she says, well, not really sure. You know, we could go five or we could go six. Um, but I wanted to make sure she was getting her, you know, start fundraising early. Um, so she's like, we can we can change down the line if we need to. But uh, I think if if Schrader, if she ends up against Schrader, I think she was going to be that was going to that that wasn't going to be winnable. Yeah. No. However, um, we could have had three. I mean, the the Mike Erickson race was. Closer than I thought. I thought he was going to lose, but I thought he was going to lose by quite a bit more. But that, like I said earlier, Salinas didn't even have 50%. And if you take all of the Constitution Party votes and add them to Erickson, Erickson wins. And we send three Democrats and three Republicans to Washington. Would have been incredible. (laughs) Very true. I think that's that's another great example of candidate quality and 
have nothing personally against Mike Erickson, other than he's lost a race for Congress three times. But if you have Ron Noble in that seat, whom Ron Noble, friend of the pod, whom we had here on the show, I think that's very much he's a much more compelling candidate he is he's got the ability to go through and arouse a lot of grassroots support mike mike erickson was kind of a host unto himself with as much money as he had and as much money as he dumped into the race on his own yeah he obviously was not there as a candidate i'd love to see him run for a state senate seat and run for congress again in two years or four years or something like that get a little bit of a resume some you know polished built up whatever but this was a, a fantastic example of candidate quality because Andrea Salinas is an incredibly intelligent, erudite candidate, and now she's going to be the representative of Congress. I think Joe Ray Perkins also needs to run for state Senate. I think that, you know, when you have the Can name she run ID. for state Senate in Washington or Nevada? She, live in Washington? she doesn't want to live in Washington. I just, oh, you just somewhere, don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere other than Oregon. I'll help her move. No, she's, I'll she's call got- the U-Haul. <laughs> I'm talking about name ID. Um, she has run for Congress a number of times. She's run for Senate three times, I think now, and uh, keeps getting beat uh, because she is about as fringe Republican as you can get. And I, I'm always hesitant to talk bad about Joe Ray, even though there are a lot of things I disagree with her on because she's she's a friend. She's a nice lady. Um, she's always been kind to me personally. But my goodness, we need like you've got the name ID. Pull a Kevin Mannix and run for state rep. You know, this is the, you can win something like that just on residual name ID alone. But what she's doing when she runs for Senate is she's winning the primary against, I would say, better candidates. Darren Harbick being Darren, the one yeah. that comes comes Will. to mind. Uh, <laughs> what's that? It's Will. <laughs> yeah. The, the NRSC didn't think any of our primary candidates were going to be able to be white in this year. So I'd, I'd like Darren Harbick. I, I voted for Sam Palmer personally, but the NRSC didn't think any of them had a chance. So, Well, I would Sad agree. agree. <laughs> uh, yeah. However, I think you want to put up a strong showing with your best candidate. Um, and I don't think Joe Ray was our best candidate. Well, and it does lead to eons of process stories because now it's you know for christine drazen do you support are you going to vote for your own party's nominee for senate even though this person is a QAnon person even though this person is an election denier and it's puts everybody else in a really bad spot and now you spend your own time defending somebody else's again maybe not anything against joe ray because i agree that she's a nice lady she absolutely should not be our face for any kind of national federal office anything like that but it it costs a lot to candidates other than yourself you know i got asked the question when i was running for state rep in 2020 uh in my willamette week endorsement interview they asked um you know who are you voting for 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 senate and i basically said what i said just now you know i know we're joey personally i you know she's a friend i will don't believe that she can win this race and so i'm probably just going to vote for her to support my friend and they didn't publish it so I mean, they very could have, very easily could have just said, "Oh, MAGA Republican supports Joe Ray QAnon," and uh, but they didn't. They didn't publish it. So um, good on Willamette Week, even though they get a lot of crap from our side of the aisle. Uh, but also, like I think, to rational centrist individuals, I don't think it matters that much because I think they can understand that there are other other things at play, and you don't need to support all of everything. Not to say that you're not going to get some sound bites that go you know, on the, on the other person's, uh, advertising budget, 
But oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's also kind of limited by where she is. She lives in Sarah Gelser's Senate district, so she's never going to be able to win that race. No Republican is. It's always going to be gerrymandered to be very Democratic. Once again, yeah, you all exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, find her somewhere else. Well, she also lives in CD four. I don't think Alex Carlotos is going to run again. I don't know him personally. I haven't asked him that, but I don't think he's going to do it again. So he's now. I think he's lost three times now. Right. This so is his third election. Thir- last year. Three losses is kind of where you where you need to call it if you don't want to be a, a a perennial candidate. So I would hope that Alec takes some time off. You know, maybe waits five or seven years, and if he wants to try it again, try it again then. But um, I think he's gonna his his name popularity, I guess, is gonna go down if he tries again. Three is about your limit. What if you run for something that you can win? I like. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, winning I, a seat in Congress is really, really difficult, especially fair. for somebody who doesn't have a resume. But yeah, you, I, you go down ballot, and you can, you could. Yeah, yeah, I would go support hop that. In the, what I honestly don't know how to pronounce the name, but well, Lensby Campos is twenty. Wednesday. It's just Wednesday. The L is silent. Okay, my wins. Wednesday. Wednesday Campos. My apologies. Please still come on our pod and tell me all the other things that I'm wrong about for being a Republican. But she's 26 or whatever and is now a state senator. Like, you don't, there's not a minimum age requirement. On- she's also a hyper progressive and she's running in a blue enough seat. Uh, she got 55% of the vote in that. Yeah. She's. She ran against a Republican and a moderate former Republican state rep. Well, is the and file. If, is the rich if, file. Yeah, if Rich yeah. File had, had dropped out and endorsed the Republican. Wensby still would have won. Yeah. Yes. I also don't know that he's moderate. He's very partisan just on his own thing. Just not to the right <laughs> or to the left. Just partisan. And I, and I, he, again, friend of the, he's at, we've had him on twice and he's always, he gave us his, it was on his birthday last time and he gave mm-hmm. us cake afterwards, which I thought was very generous. Mm-hmm. I like Rich, but he is very partisan. He is very set in his ways about his own thing and about why the party structure is bad and all, which I, God bless you, think what you think, but, there's not it's not like he's like oh he's an independent thinker real moderate kind of guy it's like no he's got a mission to accomplish that that wasn't a targeted seat by by anybody i think everybody was giving that one to campos um but yeah even if even if you take rich's votes and and add them to kim rice she only gets 44 45 percent so that was that was going anyway but uh, you were talking more about how she's 26 years old not so much that she was running and she was actually running in hd 26 so i was confused yep. as there to what is. you're talking or uh as, no it was, it was hd but she was running as a senator so that would have been what 13 or something yeah so anyway. but at, at they're obviously there i said there is no minimum age there is a minimum age requirement but it's just alex carlotta's has wildly exceeded that it's not like oh he's so young he can't run for you know right seat in the state right state house or something like that like he started out at lane county commissioner i don't go back Go back Douglas. to something like that. Douglas. 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 Sorry, Douglas County Commission. Come on, man. Get your... <laughs> those those lane people with their Eugene, their right. ducks. They don't... Those people don't know anything. All right. Well... You're not going to take the bait? Was, come on. The Oh, you're, you're, that was a duck joke. Was yeah. It? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I missed it. I don't listen to beavers on their opinions on things. Go beavers. Um, Go man. So, Bowley was a little discour- <laughs> discouraging. I yeah. think we talked about it in the midterm episode that uh, I really didn't expect Sherry Hill to win. I don't think Sherry expected Sherry to win, unfortunately. Um, but it was good to have like a quality candidate out there who was gonna who's gonna do the work and go around the state and raise. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do what do what she can. But that was that was a tough one. That's 
what can she be our nominee for Senate next time? Like, if it's a race <laughs> that's going to end up being lost, can we have somebody? Because I just, I just adore Sherry. She's mm-hmm. just such a fantastic individual and representative of everything that our party could be, both as an elected official and as, in her own life. She's a small business owner and yep. hires people and kept people going during COVID and everything. And it's just like, my gosh, like, that's just, oh, why don't we need, I just don't want a cloning machine, like a Rick and Morty episode where you can just have like a hundred Sherry Helts and just have them all run for seats in the state legislature. That's just a, yeah, it's and, a shame that she lost. And so this is another thing. There's been discussion in some of the message boards and Facebook groups that I'm in about how Republicans have a floor in statewide races. And, you know, when we have, um, cross david cross running for ag last time or joe ray perkins running for senate you know they all get about seven hundred thousand votes i mean michael cross who was running for ag is not even an attorney (laughs) and he i think he raised like thirty thousand dollars or something so like but people voted for him because he's a republican republicans r's vote r and d's vote d and I didn't vote for him. I'm going to say that proudly. Makes two of <laughs> us. Oh, thank you. I, I don't remember, but I don't think I voted. I think I said blank. I absolutely did not vote for Joe Ray Perkins this time. Anyway, but. point being, uh, Sherry got below that floor, which I wonder is just like, because it's nonpartisan, people just like picked somebody. I think it's because it's a nonpartisan, right? If you don't have kind of those guide rails and yeah. people have to start actually thinking about who they want and that's fantastic if you're a republican who wanted to vote for christina stevenson the gal who ran against sherry held more power to you if you honestly think that she's the better individual she's not but if you think (laughs) she's a better person to head bully then there you go this is democracy and this is freedom and this is what it means to be a united states citizen but if you don't have those partisan blinders i don't think it was clear to all of the republicans that like this is our candidate. This is the mm-hmm. person that we need to get back and support. And this is a super important race. Even if you are, you know, even if you aren't aware of who's really got the partisan leaning or what the job entails, or whatever, this is, this one matters. This is an important race. This is the person we need to get behind. And it's, I mean, it's tough to kind of spread that message to an entire yeah. state's worth of voters when you don't have the R behind your name. Yeah, that's that true. was, it was the case where like, Sherry needed to run for like two years to win that, and she only ran for like six months, basically. Mm-hmm. Of course, if she had decided to run for two years, the Dems would have run a much more serious candidate, and it would have been like, you know, I don't know. Well, not Val Hoyle, obviously, but <laughs> that would have been like a prominent, like Rob Wagner could have run for that. There you go. Got sure. it. it was yeah. like, and he would have absolutely crushed Sherry. So, and Who's Christina Stevenson? What did she do? I don't know the name. She's an attorney. Lawyer, she's That's like it. So thirty she, or something. She's like a labor that. attorney. So she's, she's not. Really she's not like how she's never before. held any elected no. office before. Interesting. That's I. I was thinking. I like. I'm, I know I'm voting for Sherry. I didn't do much a whole uh, research into the other one. Yeah, not a very. Uh, not her not statewide to, office. Yeah, That's knock her credentials or whatever. I don't say she's not competent, but she's not experienced for sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, pivot to the legislature. Kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, we picked up two seats in the House, one in the Senate, which is exactly what I predicted in the other one. Boom. Yep. Thank Jimbo you. wins the beer tonight. I That's did. I, we get. I did get uh, one of my two wrong. I thought it was going to be Jeff Helfrich and Jason Fields that were the two flips. Uh, it turns out Jason Fields, unfortunately, lost his race. Helfrich did win, though. So I got one of two. Um, I well, was looking at so the um, 
the legislature's or the house was a little bit difficult to say which ones flipped because you have 60 of them and they redrew all the lines and all the names changed. And so it's kind of hard to tell like which ones were incumbents and which ones weren't. Um, but as best I could tell, it looks like Brian Stout and HG 31 flipped that. Um, so that was a, that district is up in Columbia County, a little bit of Washington County. And that got a lot redder in this last redraw. That was a, um, that was a gift from the Democrats to us. And so thank you, overlord team, <laughs> overlord Salinas. Overlord Salinas. <laughs> oh yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So Brian Stott won, Helfrich won, Helfrich because I, I think he kind of had the incumbents backing a little bit, even though, because he was the reg- legislator in that district that he lost. And then he was running for an open seat, the, fo- the, the following one in a red year mm-hmm. in a 50, 50 district. So I thought that was a pretty good one. He won that one. Um, and I think we actually win three and lost one. I think Jamie Kate in HD 11. I think that was blue before. Again, no, she hard. was. Yeah. Was she, she won that seat two years ago. Did she? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I missed it up because we, we lost uh, Zika's seat. Um, HD 53, the Bend district, the other Bend district. That one that still one went. I think still too close to call. It's probably it? going to go to the Democrat, but oh, wow. I, don't I don't think know. they've I called think, that one yet. So Zika's not running. It's it's I forget who the other guy is, but yeah. um, I think that one's going blue. So even with that going blue, we picked up two seats. And so if not Jamie Kate, then um, somebody else. Uh, there I missed it. So we picked up a third one somewhere. Lynn so. County's lines got significantly redrawn after redistricting. So it, it, yeah. it's not surprising you thought Jamie Kate might have been it because it would have looked like that if we had the same lights. Yeah, yeah it, it really just completely rewrote it. The HD11, I think, was Marty Wildey's yeah. districts yeah. before. And so that's why I thought it went from blue to red. But if Jamie then... it's Again, lines are completely different, so I have oh, yeah. no idea where it should have been. The fun fact, I live in Lebanon, the city of Sotaville, right outside of it, was in Wildy's district, whereas Lebanon was in Kate's district, but now they just kind of enveloped it all. So <laughs> I, I was just right on the line to be in a Democratic district, and now all Republican. Now all Republican. All right. I'm with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, so there's another one in there somewhere that, that we flipped because we took up a net two. And uh, again, that puts us from 23 to 25. That's more than uh, three fifths, which means we can, Republicans can block uh, new tax bills. Which is fantastic. It it's, breaks the supermajority. Thank good Lord for that. Well, they'll still play tricks. There was this fun thing that happened in 2017 where they were considering repealing a tax decrease. And every Republican went on the floor and said, this is a tax increase. And they said, no, it's the repeal of a decrease. And it passed and it wasn't challenged in the court. So it stuck. So, Oh, no. <laughs> they can just repeal decreases and say it's not an increase. Wow. <laughs> If I divide by negative one, it's not the same. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My friend said, does the Constitution say what it says? Yes, 31. No, 29. <laughs> right. Well, oh, so that's, goodness. again, any other year, a two-seat pickup in the House to break the supermajority would have been caused to throw a parade. But we were expecting a lot, a lot higher expectations. And so it's, I think everybody's kind of down about it, but we really shouldn't be. We should be excited. We don't have a super minority anymore. You know, we can actually put up a little bit of resistance to the Democrat machine and all the stuff they're trying to push through. Yeah. All of which is extremely good things. And I more, well, maybe not more importantly, but at least equally as importantly, two more folks in the House, one more person in the Senate. A lot of the county commissions got a lot redder. That Mm -hmm. that part is also really nice. 
but this expands the bench. This is one of the things that we do not have in Oregon is in infrastructure. Democrats have a thousand friends of Oregon and Emerge Oregon and mm-hmm. all the SEIU and all you've got somebody, you know, decides to run for some other Senate seat or you have Jennifer Williams who quits her job because she wants to go make more money or whatever. You have 96 people who can go hop in tomorrow mm-hmm. tailor made for tv and have all their talking points down and have all the relationships built already they're all set ready to go and somebody comes there's a republican seat that comes open and all of a sudden we're all looking around at each other like oh god like who's, who's, what do we do <laughs> who lives over there who can we find i, I don't understand yeah. yeah i was like do, do we know anybody who lives in ontario like right. is there a competent person in <laughs> ontario who can dump yeah right, besides, besides alex let's go get alex to go there. u-haul there we go common theme for the show we'll get you back there you can go be a state legislator but this is this is one of the things also that i hope we as republicans in oregon work on is building out the bench mm-hmm. not just having people hiring people who can do jobs and whatever and get stuff done like build have pe- have young people build relationships have young people build their skill sets have young people understand what it means to phone bank and campaign and put a marketing team together and fundraise and learn how to work with money there's so much stuff that needs to happen that we just don't have the infrastructure to do and every new person that gets elected is one more notch in the belt that we can go and move forward yep. with and say hey we're you're actually here. starting to build out a party also also i'm not, I'm not alex oh, i'm not no. just saying this because you're here but now that we have competent leadership at the orp we're going to be able to go through and hopefully get a lot of good stuff done. Justin's been absolutely incredible. Oh, He's yeah. been flying back and forth to DC, getting a lot of good work done. And that's like, this is the ORP can be the infrastructure that can be the mm-hmm. central repository and get everything built out. So, so to, to your point, James, to in terms of causes to be out, I know Christine lost, I know we're all very broken up about that, but that is something that I personally want to take away as a good thing and something we can be happy about going forward. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, on the Senate side, I think there were some operatives who were talking about potentially taking the majority in the Senate. Um, I, from day one, thought that was a bit uh, optimistic, overly optimistic. Uh, we picked up one seat, and it was Betsy Johnson's old seat, and it was won by Suzanne Weber, who came on the pod, fantastic candidate, right of the pod. and uh, was, I think, endorsed by Betsy. So for all of our efforts this, this election cycle, uh, picking up one seat in the Senate that likely was going to go to our side anyway i mean that that district it's coastal it's rural it i mean the fact that the only reason it stayed blue is because betsy had held it for so long once she left any republican who who won the primary i think was gonna was gonna win that one and especially a candidate as qualified as as suzanne weber uh that was that that was a pretty significant insignificant pickup excuse me it would have it's good that it because it broke the supermajority but uh I wouldn't. I mean, it's 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 a softball. You also have um, Mark Meek. It looks like he's going to beat Bill Kenimer, which is a little yeah. bit discouraging because that was so. That's going um, red to blue. If you and that's a very, still a very close race. I'm not sure if they called that yet, but it, it, as of now, it looks like Meek is going to pull that one out. So uh, it, and that's 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 a one pickup in spite of losing that seat. And so if the HD 53, Jack Zika's old seat, and Kenimer end up pulling it out. That would be three and two pick up. Three in the House, two in the Senate. So even assuming those would go, both go Democrat, we picked up a couple seats. So reason to be optimistic. Like I said, we, we busted the supermajority in both houses and can put up a little bit of fight to against what's going on in, in Salem. Um, here, here. 
Yeah. Another thing of note is uh, uh, Rochelle Moore, Moore Green uh, ended up losing her Senate seat. She was trying to take the make the step from legislature from the House to the Senate and ended up Raquel Raquel just, Raquel, Raquel Moore get, Green. Yeah. Sorry. Still wanted to be future friend of the pod. We haven't had her on yet, but still want to get her on. Raquel, if you're listening, yeah, come on, the pod. Raquel, come on. Yeah. But to your to your other point, we're looking at uh, other. Um, like county commissions also went a little bit redder. Um, you've got Ben West ended up pulling it out in Clackamas County, who uh, I am going to call him in the next couple of days and see if he can come on the podcast next time. So, um, Ben, if you're listening, expect a phone call or <laughs> ring, ring, buddy. <laughs> we're calling you up. Or more likely Facebook message because I think we're Facebook friends. But um, would really like to chat with him about that experience. And so he was running against an incumbent. Like that was that was a tricky race. So good on him. Um, Just to say, listeners, I'm going to excuse myself. I actually had something come up, but I want Jimbo, Alex. I will. You guys finish out the show. Me with oh, yeah. sick Alex. So you'll be listening to me a lot for the next oh, there, 15 minutes. <laughs> That's more good taste to be had. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was encouraging, Clackamas. Um, I don't know that. I think in Multnomah County, the the chair, um, and I forget who. I think Chair Smith. Yeah, uh, Vegas Smith won, and I think she was the um, or she was oh. she was the like status quo candidate. She was the uh, Deborah Kafori like acolytes. The the we're going to keep doing the same thing we've been doing for the last however many years, and so it's dis- disappointing that she won that. Um, yeah, I don't know any. What other uh, county commissioners do you do you know of any? worth talking about let's see uh in uh, lynn county will tucker won. he was the incumbent republican so that's good um just happy with that he's a nice guy friend of sodaville um yeah big fan so far um <laughs> union county uh had two republicans on the ballot and uh they both won their primaries in uh um uh may so they didn't need to run this fall it's great go. um a good friend of mine shane alderson was elected chair of the baker county board of commissioners so good solid republican younger dad younger guy he's i think he's in good. his 40s so having having some younger people in there you know he's 40 isn't like as young as it could be but still he's not right. like 80 like the, you know, the last sure. several people who are governing all over the place so they're the candidates are getting younger and that's good that's good you know, they always they keep talking about how we need to uh, uh, get more younger people in the Republican Party. And uh, so it's good to see that. I mean, even <laughs> I would say 40 is still young. And this is I guess this is as a 37 year old <laughs> trying to convince people that I'm still young. But like the average age of the party has got to be like 78. I mean, it's it's we're an old party and anybody of working age basically <laughs> is is young and and is is good to see those folks win elections and and get up there. When I was phone banking for Rep Bobby Levy in uh, uh, two years ago, she's the rep in Northeast Oregon. There wasn't a single registered Republican woman under thirty in the whole county. Wow, it's not a great demographic trend. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I think the other good ones, Deschutes County had two Republicans on the ballot, and I thought they were both probably going to be endangered. The Republican. Um, on the ballot for commissioner last time, lost his re-election campaign. So he went to become the uh, Deschutes County Republican chair, but they were able to turn out and they won both county commissioner races in Deschutes. So I was pretty happy Good. with that. And those aren't, you know, um, Patty Adair is, is pretty conservative. She's definitely yeah. MAGA type, you know, yeah. very strong Trump Republican. And she won Deschutes, so it Good can for happen her. there. Good for her. 
The only other race that I think I wanted to talk about, and this is just because we're live, we live in the metro area, Nick and I do, is the uh, Portland City Council. Uh, Renee Gonzalez ended up beating Joanne Hardesty by a lot, and so this is one thing that I got wrong in our uh, pre or our uh, our midterm post podcast is because Hardesty got like forty four percent in the in the primary, and I think Vadim got twenty five and. Uh, <laughs> Gonzalez got 25.1. <laughs> and so I, in my, in, like, based on everybody else, every other progressive had won their race. And so I thought, you know, all Hardesty has to do is pull over a couple of Adeem voters, a couple of non people who didn't vote. And I thought she was going to win. I think it was going to be close, but I thought she was going to win. And she ended up losing by a lot. So I think what that goes to show is your demographic of voters in the primary is very different than your demographic of voters in the general. And, you know, a, a lot of times your percentages match up pretty well, but in a non-affiliated race like that, you know, you can have a pretty wild swing. I mean, it's amazing that even if you took all of the Deems votes and gave them to Gonzalez, you're looking at, you know, 54, 46 or something like that. It, it was, it was very close and it was, it was much, it was, it was even, it was even broader than that. So I guess there were just a lot of people who were upset at the status quo in Portland who didn't vote in the primary and who did vote in November and they ended up turning that election. Yeah. It makes me wonder if the that our the way that Oregon does non-affiliated races maybe is a bit flawed because you have I mean <laughs> my race notwithstanding, but you've got in Washington County you got Beach Pace and Catherine Harrington, very very close race. I wonder if that if that election takes place in November instead of May, I think I think Beach Chase wins. I also think, I mean, Multnomah County Commission, you know, you had your runoff, the, the system worked how it was supposed to, but our third place candidate, uh, Sharia Mayfield, who was the reformer, who was the one who was going to go in and change things, you know, still very much a progressive, but I think that she she probably does a lot better in a November race than in in May, but she didn't even make it there. So, but I guess that that's still similar a similar problem with our, our partisan primaries because your good candidates lose to your extreme candidates on yeah. a regular basis. So I don't know. Elections are just just the way they are. It's one of the the drawbacks of gerrymandering among you know the infinite number of, <laughs> them, of, of is drawbacks. That when you, the district is you know like eighty percent one party, then the person who is the most extreme in that side usually tends to win, and that's it's a problem for everybody. That's why we have all these weird progressives, and I, I hate to say it, there are weird Republicans the out there Republicans, that win. Yeah, and I think that. I was actually reading something lately that was talking about they've actually done studies where the more competitive a district, the more moderate their votes end up being. And this is at the federal level, the Congress. And it makes sense because you need to appeal to both sides. Whereas if you are in a D plus 20 or R plus 20, you only need to appeal to one side. And your your danger is coming from the extreme. It's not coming from the middle. And so you need to tack more to the extreme to make your party like you more. Or else you're going to get primaried. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Schrader, you know, is a prime example of moderate Democrat who uh, ended up losing that seat. Yeah. In the primary. Pretty much. So, anyway, we're at about 45 minutes and Nick left already. So, yeah. I got a um, few more takeaways if you want. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, first off, still my favorite election result um, the city of Elgin 
their city manager is elected, only city in the state that does that. And there was a ballot measure to make it appointed rather than elected because there's nobody in the town qualified to be a city manager. The voters rejected that and then proceeded not to elect a city manager. So <laughs> let's hear it for the libertarians and the jewel of the Blue Mountains, my good friends. <laughs> um, the city of Fossil, the, uh, the seat of Wheeler County, elected a Democratic mayor. Um, usually Democrats don't win that well, that far out, but no, Fossil has, a, has no. a Democratic mayor. So Wow. Interesting. They're coming for you. Bring, bring uh, public transit to Fossil. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Bud Pierce, who was the nominee in 2016, still has gotten more votes as a Republican candidate statewide than anyone in history of Oregon. Really? Yeah, even even more than Newt Bueller, even more than you know, people who have gotten elected to Senate. Uh, Bud Pierce has had got more votes as a Republican candidate. He's than a nice guy. I like Bud. He is. And if, if those people who had voted for him had voted for Christine, she still would have lost to Drazen. But, yeah. Um, still. Yeah. yeah. Two elections and he's still the champion. So. Wow. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting to watch um, is over the past year and a half or so, I've seen a lot of nonpartisan local conservative organizing groups pop up all mm-hmm. over the state. A lot of them kind of have the same goals and ideas as a county Republican Central Committee, but they either don't really know that the county Republican committees exist or they don't really like them or they're just kind of, they just spring up. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of them get active politically this year and a lot of them win races. So, um, you say win, won races or went racist? Won. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, it's the laryngitis. A lot of them won races. Won races. So in uh, Union County, the group is called the Union County Freedom Alliance. And uh, they helped retain a five to two majority on the Grand City Council. And they won two of their own the Grand City Council races this year. Hmm. So that was pretty good. Um, Baker County United is the group in Baker City. They flipped the uh, county commissioner seat for Shane Alderson, for example. Um, in uh, Lynn County, the group is called uh, People's Rights, or at least it's based in Lebanon. That's what the group is. And they helped keep a pretty good set of Republicans there. Um, I think, actually, I don't know the map of who retired and who was running for re-election, but there were four candidates that they backed that weren't on the city council, and they won three or four out of those races. So wow. um, there's a lot of energy out there. And if you're a Republican leader and you're looking for energy, find those local conservatives because they're willing to do the work. So, I think that would, is a good opportunity, like a good pickup opportunity for our county parties, for oh, our yeah. state party, um, is to go talk to those people and try to bring them into the fold. Because you're right, that's what county parties should be doing. Um, unfortunately, there's just, you're right, there is a lot of energy out there, but I think our county parties are a victim of losing a lot of elections and, and even the state party, like, you know, money follows victory. And if you don't have victories, you don't have money. If you don't have money, you don't have influence. And so the ORP in particular is, I mean, you're the treasurer. It's for a long time has been broke or in debt uh, because nobody gives money to, to the organization and it's run by volunteers. And it just makes it really hard. You know, if, if you're the Democrats, you have no problem raising money because money comes comes with influence. And if you want to influence things in the state of Oregon, you uh, become a Democrat. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, this or you I fund think, Democrats. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what we did. I what I did in Union County. I think I can offer a blueprint for anybody else. I was the chair of the Union County Republican Party, mm-hmm. and I saw this group of individuals who were conservative, not necessarily wanting to be a Republican PCP, but still wanted to get out there and do stuff. So what I did was I started inviting them to our meetings. I got one of them elected to our executive committee mm-hmm. and had one of them come to the platform committee. So now. They're, they're influencing statewide Republican policy. Like, wow, we didn't know this was there. Good, good to know. And we're not sitting there telling them what to do. We're inviting them in and asking, what do you need from us? What can we, what can we do to help you get the community you want? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were pretty influential helping keep the Republican uh, seat that was challenged on the county board of commissioners. And they did a lot of work to, um, you know, make sure that conservatives stayed on the LaGrande City Council. And we help provide data, we help with fundraising, that kind of thing. So um, the candidates specifically, um, and, you know, they came to our fundraiser this year for Union County Republicans. So, you know, cool. that, that's the kind of thing you do when you find a group like that. Don't see them as competition. See them as people oh, for who, sure. can, who can do things to help you when you work together. Yeah. I, I would notice one of the areas that got redder, I think is too red, is um, the Clackamas County GOP just had their reorganization meeting. And they elected a whole bunch of proud boys and like legit proud boys, uh, election denying, like hardcore extremists. Uh, and so now Margie Hughes and Kevin Moss are no longer running the Clackamas County GOP, which is disappointing because um, yeah. they're really good people and uh, oh, yeah. worked really hard for that party. And uh, just talking to some people who were out there, it, it like it sounded like it wasn't even close. I mean, that the, the PCPs overwhelmingly elected the hardcore extremists to run that party and so that's that's the thing you got to watch out for and again this this is what comes from losing elections is that you have these very weak organizations and when you have strength come into these organizations you know they can take over and that's what proud boys are doing all over the place and we as you know, non-proud boy supporting Republicans. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not. I I I know. I oppose them wholeheartedly <laughs> on the record. No proud boys. We don't do that. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Um, but we we need to stay vigilant and not just report, not just support Republicans just because they're Republican, but actually look at who they are as people and what they stand for and what organizations they affiliate themselves with. Exactly. So, uh, we are well over time at this point. Uh. Any closing thoughts from the man who can barely speak? <laughs> well, since I can't speak, I am writing, and hopefully next month I will be publishing a book about Oregon government. So keep your eyes peeled. I'll make sure to let you know. It's cool. called Beaver State Confidential. It's mostly just kind of a an elementary primer on Oregon government. The last chapter is a memoir of how I got some telecom legislation passed uh, in um, the 2019 session. So kind of gives you like a, a more of a... Uh, eyes on the ground view of how does it actually work when you're trying to get a law written and passed in Salem. So cool. Yep. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, and with that, I think we'll end the episode listeners. We'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the rational Republican podcast. Your hosts are James ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.